Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rights and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Chris D'Onofrio, a recent addition to BMO's Canada Swap Trading Desk. This week's episode is titled Talking Terminal. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC Sales and Trading Desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, for first time out here, you've only, I guess, you, how long have you been with BMO? Yeah, it's been uh, just over two months here. Okay. So, <laughs> so new, two months in BMO, two months in the Canadian market. So uh, it's been a good two months to to uh, to start with. I'll say that for sure. But then you'll have fresh ideas. You're not old and and jaded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I will, I will say it was it was. I think we we passed the time of pandemonium in in the dollar market just as I was leaving and and got here just in time for the pandemonium in the CAD market. So we have the Bank Canada next week. We do. December 7th. Uh, the market is on the fence as to what they're doing next time. Yeah. Um, we have 50 basis points. I think most, actually, most Canadian banks have 50 basis points uh, from, from what I looked at in the, the Bloomberg survey recently. Uh, and so, I mean, wh- where do you think we're going here? Is the bank going 50 and then maybe they're done? Or is it 50 and then the door's open? Or maybe a few 25s? Yeah, yeah. So that's um, it's interesting because it, like a lot of the banks probably are in the same camp, but it's it's not as uniform across the street. I would say like you look at a lot of the counterparties, a lot of the fast money guys, a lot of the people who trade meeting gaps, and it it is quite two way around the point where December becomes fairly priced. Now after today's rally, it's a little bit a little bit on the on the richer side, implying something like thirty three or thirty four. I think fair value for that meeting is somewhere in the middle for sure. I. I I would lean towards the 50 side. I am with you on that. And I think that makes sense. But I don't think it's as much of a certainty as some people might suggest. So I think fair value of that meeting, if, if it's, you know, around 40 going into the bank next week, I think that probably makes a lot of sense. With that said, 50 and done seems seems possible, although like a pretty uh, remote remote idea for me. Um, I think it's you either go 50-25 or a couple of 25s and kind of leave it on the table for, for March meeting. Um, but I think to you know go from a few months ago we were doing 75 to all of a sudden surprise 50 to 50 and now we're done. It would be counterintuitive and it would it would again go against the uh, the clear messaging that I think the bank was shooting for at least at some point earlier this year if not if not last month you said clear messaging that that might have been the oxymoron part there for the bank yeah um, they've been they've had trouble being clear yeah uh, but I mean at this point I think I think you're right like uh, one thing he did make clear is in in both of his recent appearances Macklem, uh he was like one big step or two small steps so yeah, like fifty or yeah. I think a cum- cumulative fifty should least. be a guarantee. Exactly. Right. And then after that, it's kind of meeting by meeting. We'll see how things go. Yeah. Uh, the the data leading up to this point have been very mixed. So like inflation was 
not as hot as maybe feared, but it wasn't cool by any any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And and the core numbers were both ticked up, uh, even if the, the three-month annualized rate of both of them went down. So very mixed on, on the inflation front, but but not not really cooling. And for GDP that we, we already have in hand, the headline was way, way better than expected. I mean, doubled expectations. Yeah. And uh, But the details were really soft. But then on the flip side of that, really big upward revisions to 2021, really, as much as anything else. And that means there's, at least in theory, uh, that much more excess demand in the economy. And that's something the bank's been harping on for, I mean, months and months. Uh, and so that, I mean, that are, for me, that argues pretty pretty meaningfully toward a 50. That's why uh, I think we're, we're still in that camp as much as anything else. And uh, the inflation numbers as well. Maybe the three-month annualized slowed a bit. You're still way over 2%. And it's you probably shouldn't be ringing the all clear on one month of numbers. Yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with you there. Like I think it, some people in the market are definitely having some trouble kind of see, seeing the forest from the trees a bit. Like we've gotten into the past couple of weeks this kind of buy, buy, buy mentality for, for duration in general. And it's, it's like, OK, yeah, monetary policy is starting to work. We are seeing a bit of softening, but we, we have to remember that, you know, inflation is still very high you know job growth is still there like we're still there's still excess demand like you said in the economy it's not like you know we did it guys like great work it's like no don't start celebrating just yet like we still have more to do as as powell kind of kind of said today in his appearance um so yeah like i think i think uh, i think you're right i think people are getting a little bit overexcited on the on the on the buying side and on the softening side but the data kind of doesn't really back that up just about yet so so there's still yeah I, like we said, going back to what we said before, cumulative 50 for sure. And then I think there should be pricing for at least a chance of, you know, 75 or 100 total, you know, from this point to the end of the cycle. I think the words they'll start using are, are we'll make our decision meeting by meeting. And then instead yeah. of after which is, the, after which that is fair. Is done. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. which is totally fair, right? But, you know, the... The idea that, you know, the, what the swap curve looks like right now in the ultra front end, right? Like, well, what, is it, what, what does it look like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, do, what does it look like? So right now we have just over 50 priced into these engine. It's like 53 is where we're closing out today after today's rally, which kind of goes against what we just said, right? That's like, okay, 50 and then like very, very, very small possibility of anything beyond that. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe, but you got to give them a chance to do, you know, 50, 25 or, you know, a sequence of 25s, et cetera, leave it on the table. And then not only that, like I, I do think, Jan, I think as you've said before, you've released uh, in uh, in some of your notes how Jan is, a, Jan is a very strong pay right now. I completely agree with that. I think there should be at least five more basis points priced into that meeting. Um, but even beyond that, that part of the curve, like it's like we go hike, 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 we hold for a couple of months and then we start aggressively cutting and it's like, Okay, let's slow down. Let's first of all let's think about one thing at a time. Let's get the hiking cycle right, which we don't even know if we have that priced in properly. And then it's like, well, we don't know what data is going to look like beyond mid of next year. We don't even know what data is going to look like next month. Like, how can we begin begin talking about this this aggressive cutting cycle towards the end of twenty three and the beginning of twenty four? It just, it's 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 kind of all over the place right now. The the very front end of the curve. And and so kind of adding to that. I, I still I see the risk for for inflation. Like we're, we've been wrong for I don't know how long, misjudging yeah. uh, the pace of inflation. And why is it just going to evaporate 
And it's interesting the market's kind of just gone. Like they one one good US CPI print, like some decent prints in the world. Canada was arguably okay, uh, mixed, and and all the fears just kind of melted away. And and today when Powell was talking and they, and they had all the questions, I don't think there was one question on inflation. It was all about labor force participation, all yeah. sorts of other things, yeah. but nothing about inflation. I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, is, is it done? Yeah. <laughs> People want good news, you know? That's the problem. People want to be told everything is going to get better. Certainly seems that way, and, and I, that's that's the risk. And then we have the melt-up in risk today, and that only adds to the likelihood that rates will have to go that much higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the, the other thing that's worth mentioning on that front is some people, especially people closer to, to my age who have maybe only been in the market for a few or five or whatever years, and haven't seen, you know, before the cycling cycle, rates were at ultra low levels and had been for quite some time. And people kind of just think, oh, we're hiking. And then when everything's fixed, when the problem's solved, we're going back to close to zero rates, which is possible, sure. But it, there's also this entirely other regime shift that can occur where we can go back to, you know, 2% overnight for an extended period of time. And then that's our new baseline and we hike and cut from there. It's like, sure, why can't that happen? But, you know, a lot of people are just operating under the assumption that things are just going to go back to the way they were five years ago, which, you know, I... I will take that bet against. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, Strongly. I, I'm, not saying it's, <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible. And, like, I get why guys my age or around my age are, are, are making that assumption when they're, when they're trading. But, like, there's not enough of probability assigned to that not happening, I think, priced into the swap curve right now. Okay. So, yeah. too, too inverted. Too inverted. Yes, would be the way. To Which work. I think a lot of people. I mean, you see that, right? Like we were talking earlier about about the five year point. Like that's the new trade on the street that everybody's looking at. Whether it's paying it outright, paying it against twos, paying twos fives tens, paying selling fives outright, whatever. But haven't people been looking for months? And it just that's, and yeah. it just yeah, that's keeps the trouble. <laughs> that's the trouble, right? Jason and I were calling it the Canadian Widowmaker uh, last week. Because yeah, yeah, it's swaps it and like, cash. It looks exactly the same, more or less. I mean, just different extremes, but uh, both just just met. Like, where is this flow coming from? One, and when does this end? There's a lot of duration in that trade for sure, and you know, I, I don't think people have been buying duration because of and necessarily like a risk off type sentiment. I think it's just there have been duration needs, and going back to what we said before, people are absent minded of the fact that we could entirely in a year or two years still have rates, you know, above 2% overnight or above 3% overnight even, right? So I think that just kind of overwhelming flow of buying duration in the belly, buying duration in the belly, anytime it sells off, oh, it's just another buying opportunity. It's not anything meaningful. It's like, okay, well, you know, that is, that's put pressure on for the past, as you said, months and months. And yeah, we've seen, we saw guys coming in, you know, a month ago to start paying it, start waiting in, taking shots at steepeners, et cetera. And then, you know, two weeks ago, start stopping out and going the other way. And now some people are reinitiating it. It's very interesting that it has made it this far, but I do think we will see in the next couple of months here, like unless, you know, we go crazy and go to like 2% fives or anything like that. Um, I think we will see a reversal in that. And I think, you know, the timing on the steepener, the timing on the two five tens is never going to be perfect. But I think especially come the new year when people have fresh capital, we we should see a bit of the tide turning uh, in terms of, you know, people wanting to deploy in one way or another, paying that point or selling that point on the curve. It's at some point, central bankers should also highlight that risk that like rates are the, the rate environment 
could be very different than the past decade. Yeah. And rates will just stay relatively higher. That's not saying that we need to be at four or five, six percent, but no, but not, not zero. zero. Yeah. Like the exactly. odds of zero need to yeah. go down substantially. Yeah. And and that, pricing that into the yeah. you know, like the spectrum of, of probabilities should be probably far lower than it is. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. It's, it's actually like there's been almost no talk of that to be clear, right? Like it's not well, like sufficient. They they're very focused on where we are now and they don't really look past getting inflation down and because and, yeah. they don't know. And, and in fairness, no one really knows. Yeah. So I, I give them a bit of a break on that front. And like, that's just my bias. I think inflation stays higher. I've outlined that a number of times. Uh, I, I just don't think we go back to the one and a half percent inflation world that we lived in for 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be at least a point higher than that generally, if not biased even higher than that. And so if you look at nominal rates, they need to be that much higher, at least a percentage point higher and, and probably more than that. Uh, and, and especially if, if, uh, you have kind of labor force pressures persistently that keeps wages higher. You might want to uh, keep rates even even higher from that perspective as well. So um, that that's that's just my my bias. So I don't uh, yeah I don't, I don't blame them too much on that. But I will say the one I don't know that the, how much our, how much weight this argument carries. I don't think it's that much, but I think it's worth worth asking you your opinion on. Maybe you've discussed this on the on the show already at this point. But the one argument I've heard from guys that are you know very bullish. Buying duration, happy to price in cuts to to a you know to an already inverted curve, happy to you know sell December meeting at thirty five implied or whatever it is receive. I mean to be clear when I say sell, is you know the impact that incremental rate hikes once the you know monetary policy lag of a few months or a few quarters has happened is going to have on housing in Canada because you know Canada isn't naturally more leveraged country when yep. it comes to housing than than most other G10 countries. So what do, do you think that argument has weight and should have any merit in terms of what's being priced into the swap curve right now? So three months ago, I would have said yes, for sure, 100%. And Canada's going to get annihilated by rate hikes. And yeah, so it's going to it, it seemed like crushed. it was going to be Armageddon. I was going to buy a mansion in six months. It was going to be awesome. <laughs> but then I got more information. And what I thought really was not possible uh, is turns out to be the truth and that a large chunk of mortgages don't actually move with rates uh, about about half of the variable ones move with rates more or less and even then not fully and the other half don't move at all right uh, at least those help those taken out uh, through the the major banks uh, the non-bank lenders tend to move their uh, their payments as rates move to, to keep the Amortization schedule a little bit uh, a little bit more constant, but a number of banks, at least half about half the market, uh, don't move payments at all, no matter what, pretty much. And and the criteria for them to force a, a payment change uh, is something that we're we may not even get to. Uh, you got to get to one hundred and five percent of the original borrowed right, amount, right. and so to get to that point is really not that easy. And so if you had the lowest rate at the highest price. Uh, and then maybe if that you had that rotten luck, then sorry, uh, but that is not the majority of households. So if you've had your mortgage for a year, for example, uh, you paid off whatever a few percentage points, that means you can add those percentage points back on at another 5%. And that takes years to do or a much higher rate. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot more cushion, at least in the near term, than it looks. Where it, start, where it could hurt is like in if in 2024, 2025, when those mortgages taken out in 2020 and 2021 that were five-year 
term variable yeah. mortgages yeah. when they need to renew and if rates are still high yeah the payment shock on those folks is going to be very challenging so luckily wages go up uh, what three four five percent a year the compounding of that will help a lot but still you're you'd be in for a, a pretty meaningful shock and so there's kind of a medium term downside risk for canada that's just looming out there if rates don't go back down but in the meantime what the, all it means is that rates need to go even higher than you otherwise thought because we're yeah. not as we're not as sensitive to rates as we thought we were, even with all yes, that, so that debt, argument. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> even with all that debt, when payments don't change, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much debt you have because your payment's not changing. Yeah. So unless people are really adamant that they need to pay down more, and 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 we are seeing that. Like I'm, I'm told that a good amount of households are increasing their payments, but they're doing that because they can afford to, mm-hmm. and so that's not going to crush them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to do it because they can, and so. Put it all together. It just it, we just aren't as rate sensitive as, as we thought we were. We still are. I'm sure everybody is, and that's fair. But you look at kind of household checking balances still extraordinarily high. Savings rate actually went up in the third quarter instead of going down. And maybe that's a change in preferences. It probably is, given higher rates and higher inflation. But there's still that much more ammunition, and people are still clearly. It looks as though uh, at least they're, they're still willing to spend. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how things pan out over the next bit. I still think there's downside for housing. Don't get me wrong. Prices yeah. still have 10 to 20% downside. That mansion you're looking at, yeah, maybe it'll work <laughs> out. I don't know. It's still damn expensive here, uh, to say the least. But uh, I, I, it, it, we're just not quite as sensitive as maybe yeah. everybody thought. So we won't necessarily need to lag the U.S. to the same extent. Kind of where they go is is largely where we'll end up probably less 50 basis points. And so if there's upside risk to U.S. policy rates, there's the same risk to Canada almost, yeah. almost certainly. Yeah, okay, well, there you go then. So we've we've debunked that argument and uh, page end meeting until it's at uh, yes. 65, right? Exactly, I think that, that, is, that is a good trade. Right, yeah, agreed. Uh, so I think that covers off the bank pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we'll see what next week brings, but uh, not, not done yet, clearly. I would like you to talk to our listeners uh, about the coming changes to the swap market. Yeah, and definitely. The, and the shift we're going to have from Cedar to Cora and some timelines and how you think this will evolve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I uh, fortunately got the got the pleasure or will have the pleasure of, of seeing the the uh, credit to, to non-credit component uh, floating rate transition in both the U.S. and Canada. So I can I can speak a bit to what we saw when we went from LIBOR to SOFR last summer in the when I was in the U.S. market, um, but just dates wise and timing wise, yeah, let's start with that. For Core First, as they're calling it, um, the the transition is supposed to supposed to start occurring um, at the beginning of next year, so January of next year is when brokers will be for us dealers trading with each other. Brokers will be set up to uh, to to make markets in in uh, Core tied products, swap spreads, uh, swap flies, etc., stuff like that. And that's when we'll be comfortable um, making markets for medium-term swaps um, in both CEDOR and Cora for whatever clients are looking for. Now, we would we would encourage clients to, as of January of next year, start to look to, you know, whether it's trenches in their portfolio or whether it's just for initiating new risk, start to look towards Cora. It's not going to happen overnight. It didn't with SOFR, but, you know, that gradually and I, I think it'll probably take over fully or close to fully by the middle of next year um so yeah if, if people were to start you know at the beginning january february into the spring to start really transitioning any new risk uh, that's when we expect liquidity to 
start shifting, you know, from Cedar to more core based products, um, you'll get tighter spreads, et cetera, in, in the core products, I would expect by the midterm of next year. Um, the other thing worth mentioning is that's when I think we would expect futures in the front end tied to core to start picking up in terms of liquidity. Right now, what we're seeing is, you know, obviously backs are still I want to say very liquid. They're not very liquid, but they're more liquid than Cora. Uh, but you know, the Cora futures are gaining some traction. You know, we trade those from time to time. You can trade them. You can't get a lot of size done in them, but you can trade them. So I would expect you know the pool of liquidity to start migrating towards the Cora futures around the same time. I would say the first few months of next year and into the middle of next year. When when does CDOR stop altogether? When does the backs market effectively shut? Yeah, yeah. So, so CDOR cessation is is uh, in June of 2024. So we still have some time where we'll still be, you know, we'll still have risk. You know, if we trade CDOR against Cora, you know, at some point next year, there still is risk there. There's still be about a year of possible variability on any trades going there. So, so that basis actually should become very active. But if it's anything like the the uh, the US was when we transitioned from Lightwood to Sofer, what What'll happen is, you know, a lot of dealers will start worrying about their, you know, one year or 18 month or whatever until fallback uh, Cora, uh, CEDAW risk in the U.S. So for LIBOR, obviously. Um, and then, you know, the forwards, because there's a fixed fallback point, they should, you know, be stagnant as long as guys can can hold it on their balance sheet. I don't think there'll be a lot of, you know, 30 year uh, ODOR trading or anything like that. I think, you know. <laughs> Uh, guys will worry about you know where the risk is, which is in the next two years or next year and a half, and and kind of go from there when making markets. Okay, cool, good uh, good update. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. What are your favorite trade ideas? Other than you can't say paying Jan, <laughs> okay? Because we've already said it four yeah. times. And so, so yeah, 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 yeah. People have gotten the message on that front. I think uh, the one thing that I do like right now, um, the levels getting to optimal it's, it's around optimal but like going back to what we said before a lot of people like fives on the curve on the fly etc i think there are good and and less good ways of expressing that trade and that, and we've seen some guys experimenting with picking apart kind of the forward forward uh rates you know three years forward and five years forward etc um and kind of optimally paying that curve in a way that carries well so i think the best way to target that piece of the curve um, is probably paying three-year forward two-year rate against something that'll carry well. So three-year forward two-year against five-year forward two-year pseudo threes five sevens, if you will, with a bit of a with a bit of a uh, a bias on the five sevens. That'll actually take advantage of the cheapness of the twos five tens or richness, depending on how you look at the curve, while maintaining, you know, I think it has like a five or a six basis point three month carry. So if you put it there and nothing changes in the next three months, you're still going to be up a bunch of a bunch of money if uh, even if the trade hasn't started to pan out in terms of spot starting terms. So I think that's that's kind of like the best the best way to take advantage of that market dislocation at the moment, and that's probably my favorite trade. So. That's something that you know maybe people would be comfortable holding on their books for the next six months or whatever, however long it takes to correct. All right, that sounds that sounds good to me. I'll have to, I guess I'll have to take a look at the yeah. fly now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my favorite's still going to be the Pay Jan, but I can say that because it's my podcast, so I can. Hey, me too. <laughs> Pay Jan, everyone. <laughs> uh, so thanks for coming on, Chris. Uh, yeah, of course. I appreciate it. And uh, given your natural podcasting abilities that we've just displayed here. I'll have to have you back on soon. Yeah, look forward to it. That'd be awesome. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. 
The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.